Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. And we spent five seasons of Loose Units, the podcast, talking through his cases, but the unexplained and the paranormal kept rearing their heads. So this season, we're going to take a look at hauntings, ghost stories, and the crimes behind them. Because the story doesn't end when the killing is done. Welcome to Loose Units, The Shadow Files. On the 8th of December, 1987, at the Australia Post Offices at 191 Queen Street, Melbourne, something terrible happened. A man, a university dropout named Frank, entered the building saying he was visiting a friend and what happened next made history. Dad, we've been dealing with a lot of, well, let's just come out and say it, a lot of Sydney-based or New South Wales-based locations in this season of The Shadow Files. We haven't really done much stuff over the border in Victoria. So what we were going to do today was, well, we're going to deal with something called the Queen Street Massacre. Now, I didn't actually know about this. I grew up in Sydney with you, as you know, and I moved across here when I was 24 years old, so I kind of missed out on a lot of, you know, fairly iconic historical things that happened. This happened in 87, though, so, I mean, it's pretty recent history. Mm. Mm. The motives are all over the place. There's you know, first-hand accounts. It's it's an absolutely incredible story, and it mm. is all tied to this one location. Now, Dad, before we start, I wanted to let you know that I'd, I've actually been to this building. So right. you came down to Melbourne, and you saw my comedy festival show, Tell Me Lies, over at Northcote Town Hall. And in order to actually apply for that, I had to head into the uh, Fringe Festival offices, which at that point were in this building. This building is beautiful, Dad. It's this huge, iconic deco building in the middle of in the middle of Queen Street, Melbourne. And, you know, I'd, I'd been up there and I didn't get any kind of bad juju. I didn't feel... It, it was a perfectly normal, harmless place. And then I found out about this case and I thought we have to talk about this because it really does tie back to our recurring theme of, you know, how can you rest easy in a location once you know what's happened there? So would you yeah. like to talk us through what happened on this morning in 1987? It's the most extraordinary story, Paul, and I know that we tell a lot of extraordinary stories, but it's one of those sort of... It's a, it's a mass murder. It's a shooting beyond comprehension. And in terms of Australian, you know, crime, particularly firearm crime, this is definitely one of the worst. And I don't know whether my brain just shuts things out because obviously it would have made incredible news in 87. I was 27 years of age... And it's so, it's such a sad story as well because the intended initial victim by this deranged killer 
actually survived. And I think that in itself is kind of really, really bad because he was the, the, excuse the pun, the trigger point for this whole sort of unfolding episode of horror. And I'm just trying to think, you know, thinking about how he would feel today, knowing that he survived and people in that building died. You know, this guy came in about 4pm to the post office building, is that right? The post office building? Yeah, so it's the Australia Post offices at 191 Queen Street. It's Yeah. And he used um, a, a sort of a classic World War II slash Vietnam War M1 carbine, semi-automatic rifle, lightweight, incredibly reliable. He cut it down. He made it very, very um, lightweight and, and very small, small enough to conceal in a brown paper bag. He came into the office wanting to talk to a particular uh, friend of his and they he, he approached a counter then they called his friend um, you know up to the counter and they had a short discussion and it was at this point that the offender withdrew the loaded M1 carbine from the, um, the brown paper bag and he pointed it point blank range and fired at his friend. We're talking close up, incredibly high powered, large, large bullet, you know, that travels at some frightening speed, you know, in it's just staggering and the gun misfired. And this was uh this was his former friend Con Margellis. Yeah. Right? So Con gets called to the counter. Yep. So Vitkovic, um Frank Vitkovic, who is the um He's the murderer in question. Mm, mm. He rocks up there at 4.20 in the afternoon. He asks to see his former friend, and then he shoots him, but the gun misfires. Mm. Okay, so Margellis ducks behind the counter, mm. and at that point, I'm assuming runs off, escapes yeah, the office. He hides. Not- he hides in the female toilet. Yes, okay. So, okay. I mean, imagine, imagine this sort of unfolding. It's very hard to put yourself in such a terribly stressful situation. In fact, it's, it's nigh impossible. To we can try and imagine, we can watch TVs, you can even watch news footage, but you can't imagine the visceral terror. And then this guy, his friend, ex-friend, that then hides in the female toilet, imagine he's hiding absolutely shit-scared, thinking this guy's going to come and track him, hunt him down. It's a, it's a hunting... It's a almost a, a primordial sort of, you know, very base instinct situation where, you know, it's it's people that would be listening. And this guy in the toilet, he can hear the gunshots going off. Now, he doesn't know at that stage that every time he hears a gunshot, it's someone being shot. And a lot of the people, there were people in that very, very close office on the other side of the counter, women in particular, that had ducked and hidden under desks. He jumps the counter, he approaches these women cowering, and he just shoots them one at a time. And that was Julie McBean and Nancy Avignon. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yep. And there was a man in the corner office on this level, I believe, called Warren Spencer, who also got killed. And mm. then... Now, oh, hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. We've skipped, I've skipped ahead. He kills a young woman, an office worker called Judith Morris, right? Mm. And then they pull the alarm, and that's at 4.22pm. Right. Now, mm. would that be connected to the 
I mean, it's the post office. I assume because you've talked about bank robberies before. There's a silent alarm that gets mm. pulled. Now, in this case, um, I believe Wormold Security were the guys who were actually linked up to that security system. We had one of their security systems at the school we used to live at. Remember? Mm. Yeah. So they would get the alarm at 4:22 p.m. Mm. and then at that point. He's, uh, Margellus is hiding in the female toilets. Vikovic, okay, this is important. He then takes the elevator to the 12th floor to the Australia Post security section. And that's when the, the real shooting starts. Why would he go up there? Was he looking for his, no, because his friend ran out. So why has he gone up that high into the building? I think um, Paul, later on, when they started to read notes that he left his family, yeah. he decided that he was never going to come out alive. Right, and then he went on a shooting rampage, and he he did have a desire to uh, you know to kill multiple people until his um, you know ammunition ran out. People at the time did not realise, um, but this this alarm that he pressed, it, or th- that the member of staff pressed, is called a hold up alarm, right. and you know you, you have to have a certain type of organisation where there is high security, you know, valuable wares because they also had. Um, I mean, anything to do with stamps, because stamps are regarded as currency, okay? If you take a million dollars with the stamps, effectively you've got a million dollars. It, it has a very high value. So they would have had a, like a concealed sort of alarm, a switch that, that is out of view of the public. But when anything untoward, something it has to be quite dramatic. It's called a hold-up alarm. And it effectively sends a signal to war molds, and they have a direct line to the equivalent of VKG in Melbourne, which is their, you know, Vic Police radio room. And, and, and it's a very special code that comes up. I remember from when I was in VKG, it used to come up as LA19. And as soon as you saw that, um, you are immediately on a very heightened level of focus. And what happens is you pick the phone up and invariably they patch you through, if they can, to the actual people within that situation. So it's, it's treated very seriously. Hence, the police would have taken it very seriously. It would have come over as an urgent call on Vic Radio and the police got there very, very quickly. But this unfolded in a matter of minutes, this situation. And the fact that he was not going to be taken alive, as is evidenced by the what happened at the end of the story. And Paul, when I read that, I just made it's 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 incredible. It's um, it's super super heavy. Because we've got because of the I mean one of the very few things John Howard did that was good in my in my opinion mm. and was yep. very yep. good was mm. the gun buyback program. It was yep. it, it did incredible things for the country. And as a result, reading these stories. From, you know, 87 is not that long ago, technically, or maybe it is, and I'm very old now. You know, this kind of thing just doesn't happen in Australia anymore. But you're right, it, it has a real... It's very dramatic and it's horrifying. So he's, he's, he's working his way from the 12th floor and he shoots a man, he shoots a woman, he points his gun at a, girl, a woman at a desk uh, only to aim his gun across. And that's when he killed Julie McBean and Nancy Avignon that I mentioned before. I got my... um. Because I'm looking at diagrams of the building mm. and his kind of path through it. So you're right. He goes in, looks for his mark, and then just gets in the elevator, heads up. And I think he intended to maybe work his way down through the building until someone killed him, potentially. Mm. Mm. There's a whole bunch of other people who died. I'll read all the names at the end of this. But then he's down. Okay, so at this point, based on my notes, he's down on level 11. 
And at this point, he's just shooting every which way. Does this gun have much range? I mean, I, I what, what does a sawn-off actually do? The effective killing range of an M1 carbine is approximately half a kilometre. So if you are within half a K, mm. you, you're fucked. And it's a big mother. It's a mother of a, of a cartridge. Yeah, okay. And they use them in big game hunting as well. So this is the sort of thing that will take out, you know. But being shot at very close range by this bullet, the bullet would enter the body, obviously through the diameter of the actual cartridge of the bullet, but then the exit wound would be terrible. So, so, so scary. Yeah. Um, basically, it would blow out the back of your body. I mean, you're fucked. Right. So he's heading down, killing office workers, some of them execution style. Again, I'm going to read their names, but Marion, Catherine and Rodney were shot on the 11th floor while he was roaming around. And there were lots of workers still under their desks. And then three other workers were wounded on this floor. And then, and this is where it gets really interesting, a male office worker, Donald McElroy, who had already been shot once, tackled Vitkovic while another man who had been shot several times wrestled the rifle from him. A wounded female worker, Rosemary Spiteri, took the rifle and hid it in a refrigerator. Mm. Tony Yoya had tackled Vitkovic and the wounded Frank Carmody had taken his rifle. Both men were later awarded Australia's second highest bravery decoration, the star of... Can we just stop on that particular point, Paul? When I read that, you know what I thought? What, what, what did you think when you read that they got the second highest award? Uh, I wondered what the first highest exactly. was for. And then, I, and then I, assume, I assume the first highest is probably given to servicemen, police, uh, or, or people in the army. I'm assuming what they do is they keep the second for civilian heroism. Mm. I, I found it rather strange because I thought to myself, you know, res sort of wrestling a, a killer with a high-powered rifle, and I just thought that's pretty well at the very, very high end of incredible deeds, and I... well. He would have he would have kept killing people. I mean, yeah. He, but I'm just thinking, why didn't they get the number one award? Yeah, that's I'm, what I thought. I'm very curious about that. Well, at, mm. at this point, so Vitkovic has you know killed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people. I believe he's wounded five. He said his gun taken from him by force, and he's on the eleventh floor of this building. So, Dad, what did he do next? He then made his way towards a uh, a sheet of glass, like a glass window. And he actually, before he got to the window, he sort of jumped through a, like a plate glass internal sort of divider. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And he sustained very, very serious cuts, as you can imagine. You know how in the movies when people you know, get thrown through a plate glass window and then they, you know, they're sort of crawling around on all the glass and they stand up and they're not bleeding. Mm-hmm. That's so far removed from the truth because glass yeah. is, I mean, just imagine if you're cleaning a wine glass and you press and a piece of, and it just breaks in your hand. You're talking terrible, terrible injuries. I mean, you know, sometimes you get a glass splinter in your foot and you yeah. can hardly see it. This, and, and yeah, it, it's so painful. The movies and TV have really lied to us about oh, the effect God, of what happens when just, you... This guy goes through a plate glass partition. He's, he's, he's really, really badly cut. He's bleeding everywhere. He actually grabs this um, rubber plant, which is weird, and pulls it out of the... pulls the whole root system out of the big pot. And these two guys are basically wrestling with him, and they're trying to sort of hold him down and this this guy the the murderer he makes his way bearing in mind i think they're 11 floors up paul yes they're on the 11th floor which is facing queen street hmm. i believe yeah <clears throat> and weirdly paul there was a very senior politician and a couple of other senior um, bureaucrats and they were actually in the building opposite basically watching this whole thing unfold which would have been very unnerving mm-hmm. and the guy makes his way towards the balcony. It's like a very, very fine, thin balcony. And he then lunges through the glass. Now, the two guys managed to hold onto his ankles. Oh, and it was okay. clear that this guy actually wanted to, to kill himself by way of jumping out of the building. And they're holding onto him for grim death. And like out of something in a movie, he began to, you know, they began to lose his grip and he, he plummeted 12 floors to his death. That would have been quite horrendous for, for bystanders. But there's one interesting thing that should be mentioned and that is that there was a woman mm-hmm. opposite and she watched the whole thing unfold. And in her account, she actually says that the two guys pushed him over, which is in stark contrast to holding onto someone not wanting them to fall. Why would they, after he... Why, if someone had shot me mm. and shot my friends and murdered other people on the floor and mm. was lunging for the window, mm. there is no... Well, actually, I don't know. I don't know how I'd feel. But I, I don't think my inclination would be to hold on to him and desperately try and save his life, mm. right? Yeah, but Paul, look, if, if the person is alive, yeah. you have no right. You don't, there's no such thing as summary justice. And I know, I know. No, I know, you know, I know, but it's really, it's a, it's, it, it poses all sorts of very, very interesting 
um, you know, philosophical and moral sort of conundrums. Yeah. And I found it very interesting that this woman did, um, you know, in, in evidence say that this is what she'd seen, but her evidence was basically discredited by the Crown prosecutor insofar as she was 200 metres away. Now, 200 metres is four Olympic swimming pools. Um, I don't think that's far away enough to not actually see what, what you know. And I don't... I think it would be very um, easy to distinguish between people holding onto someone by the ankles mm. and as opposed to pushing someone over a ledge and down. And I don't... It's very, very interesting. It's... Um, something that I really thought long and hard about. And I guess the two guys um, involved... But look, Paul, another thing to think about is that maybe they wanted to to save the guy to suffer, you know, perhaps some form of retribution. There is actually another account which might be worth looking at here, mm. Dad. Did you say this was the woman inside the building? No, it was a woman in another building. Right, so the woman you're talking about, uh, her name was... Right, yeah. Okay, so I read this. A woman in an adjacent office building told the inquest she believes she saw a man in a blue jumper throw the man onto the balcony and then push him out when he moved back to the window. Mm. Under cross-examination, she incorrectly identified this as occurring on the building's 10th floor, not the 11th, and stated that her building was... That's a semantic... I mean, that's just... I know, I know, I know. But it says here um, her building is 80 metres from the Australia Post building. Well, actually, that's, that's a lot... Less than I thought. That's It's not that far. That's not that far. That's one and a half swimming pools. If you're opposite the building, right? Mm. It's daytime, it's you know, it's in the afternoon. If you're opposite the building, um, they're not gonna have their backs to you. You're gonna you're gonna see I reckon you're gonna see pretty clearly mm. Oh I mean, look, the yeah, so they basically in the end said that this isn't true, but God, it's interesting to mull around, mm, isn't it? I mean there have been cases in, in cities all over the world and, and, and there have certainly been cases in Sydney. We have a very tall tower in Sydney called the Westfield Tower and you can walk out on this glass deck and about six months ago and there are literally hundreds of people up there and this, this girl in her late teens, she just walked off the edge and fell a thousand feet. Suicide. So it happens all the time. And if you're living in a high-rise city and you're just sort of having maybe a cocktail or two on the balcony, you're entertaining, you're just admiring the wonderful view, you might be a photographer, there's always a chance that someone is going to see someone perhaps fall. Mm. There was that famous case in Sydney where the guy about four in the morning was walking to work. He, he just, for some reason or other, he was looking up at bu- a building, which we all do because buildings, they're just fascinating. And he saw a man he thought was throwing a garbage bag off a building. And right. it's not far from where we live, Paul, except the garbage bag happened to be a young girl and he threw her to her death. And... So in cities where you've got lots and lots of people, particularly during lockdown, where so many people are working from home, Mm. the chances of seeing something happen... And think about the people down the bottom. There are people walking along a pavement and then all of a sudden a man falls. He's, he's, He's reached a fairly decent speed. He's probably heading head first. So when his head impacts with a hard surface, i.e., 
the footpath. Now, I have been to numerous cases like that. Mm. I have seen what happens to a head, the human head. Well, in this case, Frank Vickovic, that would have happened to him. I mean, because he was, you know, thrown out or pushed out or fell or whatever Mm. out of the building, falls 11 floors Mm. onto the street. But look, we're talking about the actual crime a lot, Dad. I really want to just, before we close out, I'd like to very quickly deal with who this guy was. Mm. So... He grew up in West Preston in the suburbs. He went to a Catholic school and he'd started a law degree in 1984, Mm. but had voluntarily discontinued the course in early 87. Mm. And I think the initial assumption was that, you know, he was aggrieved because of uh, something to do with university. But also he was a very, very good tennis player. I do find it odd how whenever somebody commits a shooting, typically it's a young man, then people come out of the woodwork and say he was such a nice guy and they start listing hobbies and that he was helpful and that he was friendly and blah, 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 blah. Whereas actually the thing that they should be judged for is the the last thing they did, right? Mm -hmm. Um, In a way. But after the shooting, there was a rumor going around that he went to Melbourne Uni, which is where he studied, and asked for counselling on the day of the shooting. Not true. No, because that's right. The head of the university sat down with the age and said, no, that's... that's- mm. But also, you know, if you if you do your due diligence and research in relation to the background of this particular story, there are still mm. some accounts of that happening which have not been retracted. Ah. So, because I've, I've I read a lot of articles from all over the world and, and, you know, there are some articles. But one thing that I did find quite fascinating is that he had gone to the Church of Scientology. They had conducted... One of their tests. Um, oh, like where they measure your engrams or whatever. Correct. Yeah. And they had yeah. determined that he was, he's basically his life was rat shit and he'd reached rock bottom. Now, instead of recommending psychiatric help, because they, they don't believe in, yeah. which they don't believe in, clearly yeah. they just said, and this is so ironic and kind of, if you want to talk about black or gallows humour, this is a classic. They said to him, that he should enrol in one of their courses and basically, you know, come and cease and get involved. Of course, that exacerbated his, his, his mental state. And the, um, the psychiatrist reports in relation to this particular man, he suffered, they've, they've decided, he, was, um, he suffered from severe paranoia and schizophrenia. Yeah, okay. which are very, very serious. And it's particularly poignant, if, you, if one can use that word, from his parents' perspective, um, because they had no idea on the day. Uh, they just didn't know that their son was, was out there killing people. And imagine being a parent of a, of a child that you had brought up and nurtured, loved, looked after, cared about, to suddenly find out, probably through a knock at the door, by the police or worse live news yeah and to realize that it's your son it's just that remember that uh, that incredible and disturbing netflix true crime series about the guy who killed his daughters and his wife and stuffed them in that you know that um water tank and there was that incredible cctv devastating of his dad testifying kind of defending him in the interrogation room and then it becomes apparent that he did it Mm. and the police leave the room and he breaks down and has to tell his dad, who had no idea, hmm. what he did. I, look, It's heavy. I, I mean, look, let's put 
you and me into this situation, into a scenario, Paul, where, you know, things have been apparently absolutely, you know, wonderful and your mum and I think that, um, well, let's flip it, let's flip it. So you're, you're obviously my son and, you know, you and Tegan, life's great. And then all of a sudden you find out that I've committed some terrible crime. You fly Mm -hmm. up to Sydney. Um, Let's say that you're the only person that I want to see. And the police, I haven't said anything to the police because I'm ashamed and I just can't admit to this terrible thing that I've done. And then you and I are sitting in the interrogation room at at a detective's, you know, office somewhere in Sydney and the detectives decide to just, look, give you and me some, you know, father and son quality time and yep. you know they might be listening or monitoring but it's kind of it's not it's not uh, admissible in evidence because it's not like a record of interview it's being right. it's being sort of something that you and I are sort of talking about and, and in muffled tones and then you know we might put our arms around each other give us give each other a bit of a hug and then I say to you I whisper in your ear I say Paul I've I've done something terrible and you just go, and you and you sort of think of me as a, you know, a great guy and a dad and. Oh, horrible. I would have to reconcile my image and my my opinion of you, which is built up over years and years and years of firsthand experience with this thing that you've done. I, I Tegan and I talk about this occasionally. How we all think about the survivors of these crimes and that you know the people who are left behind, um, you know the the siblings and the offspring and the partners and lovers and family of the eight people who were killed in this Australia Post building back in 1987. Obviously, horrifying thing to have to live with, but I cannot imagine what it would have been like to be a parent to someone who had done this. I'll close out, Dad, by reading this from the report. Forensic psychologist Dr. Alan Bartholomew agreed that Vitkovic was criminally insane at the time of the shooting. He described him as schizophrenic and said Vitkovic could have identified with Rambo and the Hoddle Street killings. Now... When I was diving into this story, getting it ready for this episode, I also didn't know about the Hoddle Street killings. It turns out there, there's a chain of really disturbing crimes which took place in all these places which we just associate with kind of happy memories and beautiful... Like, I don't know how to reconcile this. It's This season is really changing the way in which I move around in, in the world. It's changing the way in which I view things that I thought meant one thing and now I'm going to view them through a different lens. Mm-hmm. If... If any of you have any personal recollections of this story, please let us know because, it, again, it's relatively recent memory. This this stuff did not happen that long ago. And if any of you have any insights into the fact that um, he apparently was brooding over the results of a Church of Scientology personality test, which he got given on the 8th of October that year, which is pretty close to the killing, then, yeah, please let us know. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units, The Shadow Files. We will see you later on this week for Loose Ends. But in the meantime, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
one of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.